Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 61 of The Restrictor Zone Podcast. And I'm with my fellow co-host today and a special guest. Uh, Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, yo, what's going on, fellas? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chris, introduce yourself, man. Good, everybody. Let's have a good show. Absolutely. Lodge, introduce yourself, man. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the special guest, Johnny. Give a special introduction. Introduce yourself, man. Hello, world. Just Johnny checking in. How y'all doing? All right. And this episode is strictly basketball. We got a lot to talk about what's going on in the NBA. The MVP was just announced. Uh, I'm sure most of you guys have got the notifications. The playoffs are currently being started. Celtics and Bucks are currently playing as we speak. Uh, this is, as of now, at the time this recording, it is May 11th. So this is a Wednesday, and we're going to dive right into it. So we're going to talk about the MVP. Uh, Jokic, he won the MVP for the second time. A lot of controversy around him winning in it. A lot of mixed reactions. Some people feel like Joel was robbed. Some people feel like Jokic deserved it. I'm going to swing it to you, Kyrie. Just give me your thoughts on whether or not you feel like uh, Jokic deserved it, or do you feel like MB was robbed and he should have had the award? I mean, I already made it known. I was for Jokic winning MVP. I just felt like he was simply the most important player to his, uh, to his team in basketball this season. Um, with the numbers he put up at a more efficient rate than Embiid, Embiid scored more than him, but uh, the, but Jokic rebounded the ball better and uh, facilita- facilitated the ball better too, finished with more assists. And a lot of people like to knock him on the defensive end in comparison to Embiid because Embiid's a better shot blocker. But Gian- I mean, Jokic did a lot of his defense on the perimeter this season and uh, averaged over still a game and was still crucial in, in, in their defensive and their defensive schemes and, and still held his own in the paint. So I think Giannis simply was just overall the better basketball player this season, the better center in the league this season, despite Joel Embiid finisher um, as the better scorer. Um, again, with, with uh, him not having MPJ, Jamal Murray, um, he made the guys around him, such as Will Barton, Bones Highland, um, Jeff Green had a really a really good season. Aaron Gordon, he just made a lot of those guys look a lot better than what they actually are. And um, they had some success because of it, and they still were able to make the playoffs. Joel B went through some uh, trials and tribulations too, the Ben Simmons uh, whole thing, him sitting out the season. Then to have James Harden traded over in the middle of the season, he has to get adjusted to that. Um, but Joel B still had a pretty good team and had a good a team that, was pretty much familiar with each other because they're all there together last season. And Tyrese Maxey started to come on at the end of the season last year, too. So we knew he was going to be a problem. He's going to continue to be one. Um, Tobias Harris, he might not be playing up to the money that he uh, was signed for, but he's still been a solid player. Could get you 16, 18 points with seven boards. Um, So, yeah, Joel Embiid had the better team, but Jokic made his team look better overall. And it might have not shown in the standings, but – I feel like it just it's what he was able to do with that team was so little to just attest to how great he was and how and how great he is. Not to mention him leading the league also um, in PER and breaking Will Chamberlain's record for that in a single season. Um, that's just that's just goat stuff. I don't I don't get how you, that's not your MVP. Okay, that sounds fair. You made some strong points, Chris. I want to swing it to you. I know you've been campaigning for Jokic, so just just lay it out there. 
I mean, Kyrie made a lot of good points that there's not I really don't need to reiterate, but I don't understand why people feel like MB got robbed. Because for the majority of the season, it was always a neck and neck race between Embiid and Jokic. Not to mention, though, that there's also probably another three or four candidates who didn't even get um, first place votes who could have won the award, like Luka Doncic, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, to a certain extent. Like, a lot, there were a lot of people that were deserving of the award this year, which is why it made this race so competitive. And yes, Embiid did lead the league in scoring, which is a great thing to do as a center because it hasn't been done since 2000. But at the same time, Jokic also had one of the most efficient seasons in history. And not only that, though, but like Kyrie said, when you take Jokic off the Nuggets, the two best players this year were an inconsistent Aaron Gordon and Will Barton. And maybe Monte, or maybe Monte Morris will put on there. You take Embiid off the Sixers, and at least they still have some type of talent there that can do something. Like Tyrese Maxey is developing into an all-star before our eyes. James Harden, while he's not the same player that he was a couple of years ago or last year before his hamstring injury, he is still an all-star caliber player. He made the all-star game this year. Uh, Tobias Harris, he's not living up to the money he made, but he's still a contributor. So it's not like the Sixers don't have anybody without Embiid. Without Jokic, since they didn't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Drew, the Denver Nuggets would really would be nowhere close to the playoffs right now if Jokic wasn't playing. And as the MVP is supposed to make the biggest impact on your team. I've seen the Sixers, as I, like I said, I've seen the Sixers win without Embiid in the game. Not saying that he doesn't make an impact for the Sixers because he makes a tremendous impact. But Jokic with, but the Nuggets without Jokic is a bottom is a bottom feeder team. They they might not even be better than the Rockets or the Pistons without Jokic. So that's why I feel like he wasn't robbed. I just feel like Jokic just just won the award. But Embiid did deserve it too. I'm not gonna say he didn't. Jokic just won. All right, that's fair. And, you know, you, you made some key points in there, too. Uh, Lodge, I'm going to swing it to you before I swing it to Johnny last. Lodge, just give me your thoughts uh, on whether you feel like Jokic deserved to win or Joel was robbed. Uh, Curry and Chris pretty much nailed it in the coffin. Um, I pretty much felt like Jokic had it in the bag pretty much right after All-Star break. Um, especially after those last two weeks of the regular season was over when he um, ended up playing and beat, uh, as well as Giannis when he also uh, beat and beat in that last two-week stretch, which I felt like kind of contributed to him beating not winning. Um, but also, I do strongly agree with Chris. He was nowhere near robbed, um, especially if he won the, the, the scoring title. So it's just like these people just got to stop. All right. All right. Three. You know what I mean? Jokic has three supporters right now. Johnny, are you going to be the unanimous or are you going to take a stand and defend Joel? I got to take a stand, guys. Just not, not, not just for Joel, but just for NBA fans in general and the likes thereof. Guys, like, we know basketball. We, we know basketball. And if it, it comes down to the season, I've got literally, I've, I've got season stats. Jokic, Jokic was outplayed in everything except for rebounding. And field goal percentage, and um, when it, when it comes down to it, um, I mean, I'll give him his just due. You know, first player, two thousand points, thousand rebounds, five hundred assists in the season, twenty five plus points, thirteen plus rebounds. I'll give him that. I, I'll give him that. But if it comes to the stipulations of the MVP, I feel like that this trophy it's is is become political, as Kyle Kuzma said last year in an interview when he was asked about the MVP considerations. I believe I I, I agree with him, guys. I believe that these. Rules have been skewed. I believe that these rules have been 
corrupted um, because according to the legal definition of the MVP, you must if you, your team success has to be based off your conference. If you're not going to win the conference, you at least have to win your division. You have to win a, uh, an amount of 50 plus games. Um, and honestly, over the past 25 years, every, every MVP's team have averaged um, an amount of 60 plus wins in the Nuggets. They didn't even finish top five in the West. They didn't even have 50 wins. The Sixers finished 50 plus and they were top five in the East. Um, so based off those stats alone, he should have been disqualified. I mean, shoot, if you're not going to even give it to Embiid, there were, like you guys said, there were willing considerations. I Honestly, I, Giannis, he finished third. Uh, and he actually averaged more than Jokic. Uh, I think Jokic shot better percentage-wise and rebounded a little bit better. But as far as team success, um, dude, I would love to have DeMarcus Cousins as a backup big man. Michael Porter Jr. didn't play. Jamal Murray didn't play. Bones Holland, Will Barton, these guys – like, as far as the Nuggets being is down there with the Rockets, I wouldn't necessarily consider that as far as where the Sixers would be without Embiid. They'd be down there with the Magic. So at the end of the day, um, I do believe that this thing has gotten a little bit corrupted as far as considerations for it. Maybe Embiid is to stay off Twitter, but I believe that this MVP trophy is just losing its value year by year. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, Chris made some points about it's not about it's, it's a regular season award. That's something even myself, I tend to forget uh, when it comes to the MVP award. You know, we've seen what Joel's done, how he's elevated the Sixers, even though they will get to that later on in the episode. But uh, I feel like Joel should have won. But I'm hearing I understand each and every one of you guys points that standing for Jokic. Uh, it could have gone to Jokic, Embiid or uh, Giannis. So. It was a tight race, but, uh, you know, congratulations to Jokic. You know, two-time MVP. He was the second round, the 46th pick in his draft. The second round pick having two a two-time MVP. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty historic. You know, you got to give it up to him. Definitely trying to light for the second round picks. All right. So, we're going to move on to the next topic of the episode. So, for this topic, we're going to talk about the second round playoff that's currently starting. As of now, uh, I want to start on the east side. I want to start with the the Sixers and the Miami Heat. Uh, they tied they tied the series. It brought a lot of hope for Sixers fans, especially myself and all the Sixers fans. But uh, Game Five happened. We saw what happened. They got blown out by thirty five. It was disappointing all around, from offense to defense to coaching adjustments. Uh, I want to swing it to Chris first. Just give me your thoughts on the Sixers' loss to the to the Heat and. What's your thoughts about them even being able to push this to Game 7, if they can, in your opinion? I'm, I'm going to start by saying this. I've been disappointed in the semifinal, in the entire semifinals and, and as general, and I can explain why as we go over each series. But since we're starting with the Sixers, um, <clears throat> before I get into why I'm disappointed in it, I will say I feel like the Sixers, I feel like the series is over now. And I'm saying that because even if Philly wins game six, just based off the effort that they showed in game five, I feel like they don't stand a chance when they go to game seven. And honestly, I don't even feel like they want to go to a game seven. So for all we know, they might just say, okay, we're going to quote unquote try to compete hard, but we're not going to try to win just because, you know, we don't want to go back to Miami. We don't want to do that. And they might not want to do that. And 
I'm not bl- and I can't blame Embiid for anything that's happened this year for anything that's happened in this series itself because again he's playing through like three or four different injuries. So the fact that he's even out there trying to play is tremendous in itself. And yeah, he had a bad game yesterday, but he was the least score with 17 points. But he's also the most injured player on that court. So the fact that he was the least score for the Sixers is that's not right. That means they rely too much on him. But this goes back to what I was saying last year about how I felt like the win- the championship window for the Sixers closed. And I say that because since 2019, three of the three of the last four postseasons, the Sixers have been, well, as of right now, the way it's looking, the Sixers are going to get eliminated in the second round. Outside of the bubbles, when, again, they didn't have Ben Simmons, the second-best player, they're gonna, they're, they look like they're about to lose in the second round. And I think the reason, and the one thing I'm so disappointed about is just, just James Harden. And I've said it before a couple of times. I don't know if anybody is going to agree with me with saying it, but I'll say it again. This James Harden-Ben Simmons trade could honestly go down as one of the worst trades in the modern era and possibly worse than Dwight Howard 14 trade that sent him to the Lakers. And I say that because I'm saying that based off of the expectations that we had from the trade. We expected, or at least me personally, I'm not going to say everybody, but what I expected was that when this trade happened, both teams got what they needed. The Sixers needed another score. They needed a true player that to help out and be because Maxie's nice, but Maxie was not enough. And the and the Nets needed they didn't need a shooter, but they got extra shooter Seth Curry. But they needed a big and they needed somebody that can play defense, which they got Ben Simmons. But the reason I feel like this trade is such a disaster is because James Harden has been a shell of himself. And yes, it could be due to him not being in shape, him due to the hamstring injury. But I'll give James Harden credit for at least playing because we haven't seen Ben Simmons play since he's all year. And that's why I feel like this trade is such a disappointment because it's reminded me of this 14 trade that Dwight Howard had. When Dwight Howard went to the Lakers, Andrew Bynum came to the Sixers. The Magic got just a bunch of players and draft picks, and the, six, and the Sixers got Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum didn't play a game when he came to Philly. As of right now, Ben Simmons has not played a game since he's been to Brooklyn. And when you look at – um, and when you look at – just the I'm gonna say Dwight Howard aspect of it, which is going to be James Harden. James Harden has a op, has an opt in for 47 million, but the way he's playing right now, who knows if he if the Sixers are going to give him that? Let alone if they're going to want to re-sign him to this max contract that I'm pretty sure he wants. I'm pretty sure he's going in this offseason looking for 200 million from the Sixers or a max deal elsewhere. But as of right now, what he's showing me, he's not worth that. And because he's not worth that, it's showing me why this trade has been such a disaster. Both of these teams had championship aspirations, and I wanted to see them face off in the playoffs. If these teams face off in the playoffs against each other and then want want to eliminate the other, I wouldn't even say this trade was a disaster. But the fact that Brooklyn got eliminated, got swept in the first round, and Ben Simmons didn't play in one game, even though there were a bunch of reports coming out first that said he was pushing to play, he was looking at the play, and mental health issues and all that other stuff. And while James Harden, doesn't even look like James Harden and had these and most of these playoff games. It's just like it just reminds me so much of this trade where a lot of expectations came out of it, but nothing came to fruition. And that's why I feel like we're standing right now. I think the Sixers have a I think the Sixers and the Nets just on the trade alone have a lot of figuring out to do in this offseason. And I think the Sixers, again, I'm not gonna say they're going to lose game six, but I don't feel like they want to go back to Miami for a game seven. So that's where I stand on that. I mean, Chris, uh, I definitely want to touch on a lot of things you said in terms of uh, James Harden, I mean, being a massive disappointment. I mean, he had that burst 
toward the end of the fourth quarter in game four. And, you know, he gave a lot of people hope. Maybe James Harden's starting to return to that 2018-2019 Harden. And then, you know, he just stinks it up game five. So I, I definitely – uh, James Harden has been a massive disappointment to me. I don't even think he deserves that contract. He's going to pick it up anyway, uh, and that's going to put the Sixers in even more of a situation in terms of them finding the bench. Because, honestly, I think in the first round, the second round, Precious uh, Kyrie, I think his name is Precious, he outscored our bench as a second-year player, scored a whole bench. So that, you know, was a complete statement to how horrible our bench is, so. Uh, we're not going anywhere with our bench. And it's honestly, it's a miracle if we even take this to seven games and even win it. But, Johnny, I want to swing it to you. Just give me your thoughts on the Sixers. And you think it's over for them? Uh, all right. So, I, I think it's – I think it's over. But, as they say, we go down – we go out on our own terms. I believe they will push this to a game seven, and I believe that that's where the debacle will happen because from what I've seen, our problem isn't at home. It's on the road. I, I And necessarily, I might have to retract that statement. We were like the second-best road team in the NBA. I think it's just Miami, I, I don't think they've lost a home game in these playoffs so far. I believe maybe one, if not one. I think they're undefeated at home. It's just... The thing about the Heat, and I watch basketball guys, they're, they just got a whole different culture down there. Um, Eric Spolster started off as, like, a part of the Heat organization, and he became the coach. And, like, they promote from within. They bring they, – they establish a culture. They establish an identity. And they just have things that the Sixers just have I, – I, just don't have. I always say that – one of the low key factors you have to have in winning a championship is coaching. And I, to this day, I cannot name a significant coach that the 76ers have had after Larry Brown. Um, I, the coaches that are actually still coaching in the playoffs to this day, uh, right now, those are significant coaches. I think Monty Williams is coach of the year for the Phoenix Suns, Jason Kidd's over there, Eric Spolstra, like a championship coach. So these are, these are coaches, Steve Kerr, I believe, is in. Uh, so, so these are coaches that have, like, these are the type of coaches you just have to have. Doc Rivers, he, he just, he's not a playoff coach. The coaches I've named before, they're playoff coaches. They're guys that can draw, that can come up with a play in the t- out of a timeout and get your team resettled again. We just don't have that. And as far as the James Harden situation goes, Daryl Morey, he is, he reminds me of that kid that just saw this shiny new car when he was a kid and he wanted that car because he saw what that car can do on the commercials and he became and that kid grew up and he finally got enough money to buy that car but it turned out that that car wasn't the same car that he thought it was it was a raggedy broken down version of the car that he saw as a kid with 300,000 miles on it and he got it off craigslist that's a great Daryl Murray is that kid and James Harden is that car. He just wanted him so bad that he mortgaged his house. And by the house, I mean the Sixers bench. Yeah, I believe we gave up Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for that and trade. Two first round picks. Yeah, two first round picks. So there goes the future. Um I hate to throw I hate to constantly be a numbers guy, but 16 rebounds in about five to six three of the game. You trade that for a potential 25 and 15. 
that we haven't seen in three, four years. But you just wanted that car, didn't you, Daryl? You just had to have that car. And 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 now th- here, here we are. Th- th- this is what we are. This, this guy, see, the, the thing about Daryl, I, I like the moves that he makes. He he's a very he's a very aggressive front office man, but he's aggressive in the wrong ways. I think that this definitely, <laughs> if not one of the worst trades, I will have to agree with that. It, it's going to be top five. It, it's definitely going. It's definitely going to be top five. And, and the worst part about it was, like, the, it looked like the car started running a couple of nights ago. It started running. We was like, oh, this car might be bad. It might be the same old. And oh, this engine might might be so good after all. And then what happened? It shut down by the time we got to the end of the block. Two games later. Oh, right. And, 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 oh, and it just—it it was just—it's just such. It's just so sad. I think it's a waste of Joel Embiid's prime. Um, but as far as the Sixers Heat series goes, I—I I think it'll—I think we'll push it to seven. Um, but it just comes down to the inevitable. I think it will end in South Beach, just based off the fact that. They're just built different, guys. Their their culture's different. They're just built different. And one last stat I want to add in: the Miami Heat. They were, I think, they their their one weakness. The Sixers have not yet to exploit. They let they lead they they led the league and still do lead the lead leading the playoffs in fouls. They're leading the playoffs in fouls. How do you, and the Sixers just just for some reason just can't get to the line? Free throws slow the game down. Free throws change the momentum. Free throws help you get back into the game or control the pace. And Miami Heat, if it's one thing we see from the stat chart, they will give you a chance at the free throw line. And they just have not exploited that. And like I said, it just it just goes back to coaching. Right. Okay, you made some fair points. And definitely made a lot of when it comes to free throws. Uh, I think that was a Sixers uh, a significant advantage, but it's still even that wasn't enough for them. Uh, Lodge, I want to swing it to you. You think it's over for the Sixers? Just pack it up. Time to go home. Start a vacation. Yes, sir. Closed out in Philly. James Harden might as well order his cheesesteaks in his fourth quarter. Cheesesteaks and everything. All right. <laughs> cheesesteaks and everything. Wait, 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 wait. But what type of cheesesteak we talking about? Talking about Geno's? It's up to him. You know, he like the club, so he probably hit the club after that nice little better, better, better go down south. He better go to Escobibbles on South Street. It's going to be close to the bridge. There you go. Sir. Be really, after they lose. <laughs> Somebody yeah. bring that man a poppy store cheesesteak. Best ones. Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. Kyrie, swing it to you, man. I I, I want to see some belief in you, but I feel like, like you know, maybe you might see something otherwise. Go ahead, Kyrie. Spotlight is on you. Um, I think the Sixers being back home for this next game actually helps. Um, like Johnny pointed out, the Sixers play a lot better at home, and that's also you where you get the best James Harden at too. James Harden plays better when he's at home, even though he hasn't been all that great overall in the playoffs. I still think I could bank on the Sixers possibly winning the game six. Um, it's going to take a lot from Embiid, who's hurt, who took a lot of a lot a lot of uh, bumps and bruises in that game five. That game five was physical. Um, he didn't play that well. Bam Adebayo did a great job of, of fronting him and uh, just denying him the ball. And whenever he did get the ball, he was, he was physical with him. And the entire Miami Heat team is physical with him because they know he's hurting. But um, it's going to take a lot out of him. Joel Embiid's going to have that MVP. He's got to have that MVP type of game. That the fan, the fans say he he's capable of, or he he he, deser- he deserves. He's gonna have to have that type of game to be able to beat this Miami Heat team in, in, in a game six. 
Um, what is? I'll, I'll go into what I feel like it's going to take for Miami to win and close this out, though. If it's one, I feel like Bam Adebayo has to be the key cog in this for this Miami Heat team to play. He had back-to-back 20-point games in game one and two when Joel Embiid was out. But Joel Embiid comes back and he starts folding. And we get it. Bam Adebayo can defend on the perimeter. I think he had a, is a stat something like he had the most perimeters. He had the most switches out on the perimeter out of any big this season. We get it. He, he, he could get steals. He could generate turnovers. But in a playoff series like this, where you're going up and beat, going up against an MVP caliber player like Joel B, you've got to step up. You got to show that you're in that upper echelon of bigs, that you're in that class or as close as possibly as you possibly can, possibly can to it. So I feel like it's going to take a lot of uh, Bam out of bio stepping up and showing that he he's a key matchup. I mean, he he's a key piece against Joel B and stopping him, while at the same time being a key force on the offensive end. Um. And outside of that, they, I feel like even without Kyle Lowry, they're a good Jimmy Butler game away from just making this a breeze. Because Jimmy Butler, he's he's been the key piece. His scoring, he's going to have to drop at least 30 to 40 points a game because uh, I, I just don't feel like they're, they're not going to get a lot out of Max Struess and, and Tyler Harrow. They don't really play well on the road. They play a lot better at home, and they've been inconsistent throughout the series. Can they turn it up? Can they uh, help Jimmy Butler close it out? Can they help to close it out? Of course, but it's going to take a lot, especially playing in, in, in that in that uh, in that type of environment. Um, but to get back to your question, Kyle, I think Philly takes this game six and, and possibly forces a game seven. I, I think having the home crowd really helps them. But Miami has a lot going for them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did close it out. Okay, all right. I mean, me personally, feeling uh. Like I said before earlier, I feel like if they are able to put it to Game 7 and, you know, they happen to pull a W in Game 7, then, you know, championship aspirations might start to really float up. I'm, just, I'm a pessimistic person, so. But, uh, you know, we'll see what the Sixers have. <laughs> we'll see what the Sixers have in store for them. So we're going to move on they to have to do a lot for you to think of championship aspirations, man. <laughs> hey, man, listen, listen. I, I You got to let me have some hope and belief at this point. Doesn't hurt. Uh, we move on to the next matchup in the Eastern Conference. Just to update you guys, currently as of now, the Milwaukee Bucks is up. They currently they just defeated the Boston Celtics, 110 to 107. Milwaukee's up. Guys, uh, I'm gonna swing it to Kyrie first. Uh, you guys think the Celtics could come back and possibly force a Game Seven and win the whole series, or do you feel like uh, it's the Bucks' chance to go back to the Conference Finals and possibly the NBA Finals? Swing it to you, Kyrie. Um, this is tough. It's a lot going on in this series, too, especially with Chris Middleton being out, a guy that you definitely need in a closeout game just because of his big-time shot-making and his, his clutch abilities. Um, Without him being there, the, the offense, it's been a lot of pressure put on Giannis, and he hasn't really been having – he hasn't really had the best luck shooting from outside of the paint. And just like the Boston Celtics did to Kevin Durant in the first, in the first series, um, they're doing a good job of helping out him and preventing him from a lot of drives. So they're they're making it really, really tough for Giannis to to get buckets. A lot of his buckets that he's getting is just simply because of how gifted he is athletically and how and just how how great he is. I mean, but at the same time, those buckets that he's are that he is getting, the Celtics are, are, are bruising him up. They're being physical with him, and it's it's taking a lot out of him. So without having Chris Middleton there and having Drew Holiday as a second option, who 
has been letting Derek White and Grant Williams and, and those guys really just take a toll on him offensive uh, on the offensive end. And they haven't they haven't given up a lot of a lot of uh, easy buckets for him. So it's going to be hard for him to generate points too. Just all that pressure on Giannis, I think is is it may be too much, and Boston could possibly force a game seven, especially with just how good Jalen Brown's been uh, been playing. Um, Jason Tatum's especially been doing his thing. Al Horford's have been has since his return has been having some type of. Run. I don't know what it is, but when he plays in Boston, he's that guy. He's been that guy this series too, putting up about nineteen and eleven. Um. But they're going to need those guys to really step up if they, if they uh, if they're going to want to force a game seven. They're going to have to shut Giannis down, and they're going to have to make Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen become their, their main scorers. Oof, man! I mean, honestly speaking, I think a lot of people. I don't know. I think some of you guys had the Celtics being the Bucks, and possibly this was the year for them to go to conference finals and finally make it to the finals. But right now, as we're currently speaking. Uh, it's not looking like that's going to be the case. But you made some fair points, Kyrie. Lodge, I want to swing it to you. You think the Bucks dominate next game, or you think the Celtics force a game seven and possibly wins it? Uh, I definitely don't think that the Bucks are going to dominate this next game. Um, but I definitely can't pick a winner right now, especially the way this last game just ended. It was pretty bad. They were up, I believe, about like six with like maybe like 40 seconds left. Um but yeah, um, I did have the Celtics originally winning this series in seven. Um, if I honestly, I feel like if they win this next game in Milwaukee, I feel like they do close it out. But um, again, I'm still not, I still can't pick a winner right now. Right, I understand, and you know the sentiment on that one. It's, they're both great teams, in my opinion. So it's real, it's real tough to really make a decision. But I, something tells me I feel like the Celtics to actually make a comeback. That's just me personally. I feel like they can, but I won't be surprised if the Bucks finish it off. Uh, Johnny, I'm going to swing it to you. Just what's your thoughts? Who you think comes out in the series? Uh, see, I can't. <laughs> it's funny. I can't pick a winner out this either, but it's funny. I As soon as I saw this matchup, I called it seven. Like, right before even game one, I'm like, this is going seven. I just don't know which way it's going to go. But honestly, if I it another 40-point game. Another 40-point playoff performance by Giannis. My God. And, and what, Drew Holiday, 24? Uh, what's going on? We got we got Tatum, Jalen Brown. And, wow. Only missed 10 shots, 9 of 19. Yeah. So, it, with that being yeah, guys, I'm telling you, man, and like, as I watched it between these two teams, you look at it, the Bucks got their championship DNA. I know nobody – I'm not going to say nobody respects it, but – I, mainly me, I did question their championship run during the bubble year based off the injuries and what have you, circumstances that year. But at the end of the day, a ring is a ring, and Giannis is Giannis. Um, them taking this game was very, 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 very important. I believe, like, what, 82% of the time teams go on to close the series out that take uh, three games to two lead. Yeah, so this is... It's 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 tough. I, I believe Drew Holiday is extremely underrated. Um, as far as Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, this has been a remarkable series. The Boston they went on like what two two different times where they won like almost like eight nine games in a row during the season. Them putting Brad Stevens in that general manager spot really like excelled them to like a top three team in the East. So. Like they're gonna bump heads. I would if if I had to choose. Absolutely. Uh, if you put me in a corner, I would go with the Bucks. 
in seven just because of that championship DNA. And man, Giannis is crazy, y'all. <laughs> Not the 40 point game. Right. Definitely. All right. I mean, this is definitely, in my opinion, an interesting matchup. Chris, definitely can't wait to hear your input on this. Who do you think comes out the series? Milwaukee. I'm, I got to go with Milwaukee now. And honestly, I don't think it's, I think they're going to win game six, too. I, I feel like Boston really blew their opportunity tonight, and they should have won. Just like they – just like if Tim Heshop had just played well in game three, they could have won. They missed, they missed out another game tonight. And just – and I'm saying that because outside of Giannis scoring his 40, everybody else in Milwaukee did not play – did not shoot well. Drew Holiday, yes, he had 24 points when you look at the raw stats, but he shot 9 for 24. Bobby Porters, he had 14 points. He shot 4 for 14. So, it's just like, like, yeah, Brooke Lopez, he had 2 points. He shot 1 for 4. So, it's like they had their chances. They had their chance. Nobody from Baltimore, Milwaukee really played well until the fourth quarter itself. And, I mean, I guess that goes to show you that Milwaukee has that championship DNA. They know what it takes to win now, but it's just and that's what Boston's lacking right now because yeah, they have playoff experience, but they don't have experience. I would say that championship experience, which is which is different. And I'm I'm disappointed in this series because of the fact that I feel like if Middleton was playing, I can't believe I'm saying, but I feel like if Middleton was playing, this series will already be over, just due to the fact that both Tatum and Brown cannot have a good game at the same time, or have not had a good game at the same time in this series. It's either been one or the other. And tonight, yes, when you look at the raw stats, they both put up good numbers. But when you put at raw stats, but Tatum shot 12 for 19 and two for 11 from three. They finished with 20. They finished with 34 points. But when you shoot, but he shot poorly. Brown, he missed like like um, John just said. Brown missed 10 shots. Yeah, 26, but he missed 10 shots. So it's like you had your chance to win. You, you had you had a great game four where you fought back and you took that game from Milwaukee. You got the game back that you needed, and now you have home court advantage. You have two games, so it would have been better if you had won this game, then lost in Milwaukee, so then have a game seven back in your home court. But now instead, now you have to win an enemy territory again, which is difficult to do, especially in Milwaukee. Then you have to come back here and not wet the bed like they did tonight. So I think that I think it's over, only due to the fact that, like I said, I really think Boston had the opportunity to end this series tonight. And by end this series, I feel like it would have been over whether it would have gone six or seven games. Because I, I feel like Milwaukee would not be able to beat the Celtics two games in a row. But now they don't have to. Which is why I feel like this series is over and why Milwaukee is going to win right now. Alright. Okay. Uh, wait, you want to ask them? You want to ask them, John? No, no. Great Got point. They, they don't have to beat them two in a row. That's, that's an excellent point. <laughs> No, you're right. And one thing that Chris uh, touched on. Wait, Kyrie, you want to add something? Yeah, I just wanted to add another. Key, I meant to uh, point out another key thing is if Robert Williams ends up playing game six, too, because he missed the last two games. And he's a key factor in, in preventing paint points and just being good length and a good rebounder out there. So that's another key a key component that uh, I forgot to mention. Rob, definitely. No, it's a good thing you mentioned it. Got to be on the lookout for, I mean, for anyone that, you know, says picking the Celtics. So we're going to transition from the East. We're going to fly over to the West. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Warriors. Uh, originally, I thought it was going to be a haymaker, blow for blow. Uh, listen, Warriors 3-1. and one. Uh, Do you think Golden State seals it out today? 
Or you think the Grizzlies got some fight in them to force this into a tie series? You think they could win three games back to back to back? I'm going to swing it to you, Lodge. Just give me your thoughts. Uh, I got the Warriors closing it out tonight. Got them closing out. I mean, as we watching it right now, it looks like the Grizzlies are making a, a big run being in the quarter, but I expect them to claw, claw and fight without Ja. They've pretty much shown that all uh, season. They played pretty well without him, but uh, I feel like the Warriors are going to try to put the nail in the coffin, send them home in their own home, and get ready for the Suns. Okay. All right. Send them off in their own home. I mean, Kyrie, you echo those sentiments by, by lies. You feel like it's a, it's a done it's a done deal? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I love Memphis. I love this Memphis Grizzlies team. Just them not having John Moran out. And again, to, to the uh, point that Lodge made, they played great without him. Um, I just don't think they have enough. When you look at the, the Golden State Warriors, they're the epitome of depth. You have Steph, Steph, Clay, even though he hasn't been playing the greatest. You have Draymond Green still being the glue mm-hmm. guy, the ultimate glue guy out there. He you got Jordan, the emergence of Jordan Poole. I mean, you just have so many. Jonathan Kaminga. You got so many guys out there. I don't I even Andrew Wiggins. I could keep going. But they just have so many guys out there that can do so many things and just can they can generate points. And I don't think Memphis just has the, the, the offensive spark without Ja to do that. Can you bank on Jaron Jackson having a, a 30 point explosion? Maybe. He's gonna it's gonna take a lot of outside shooting and just him getting hot and having one of those games that we've seen him have in the playoffs. But it just hasn't been on a consistent basis, and I don't know if he's going to be able to t- do that tonight, especially with all the uh, all the names I mentioned for the Warriors having. Um, home crowds definitely going to help them. Uh, but it, I, I just again, I just feel like it's too much. They're definitely going to have to rely on guys like Desmond Bain, Isaiah Williams, um, Kyle Anderson to just produce a lot of offense, and, and, and that's really all it's going to take. The, the, the Warriors are an offensive juggernaut. And um, you don't want to get into a shootout with them, but you have to kind of control the pace. And that, that's kind of hard to do without your 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 pace control out there and John Morant. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. But uh, I think Memphis is capable of, of uh, making it a fight and possibly coming out with it. But I, I just got to get the edge to the uh, to the Warriors. All right. That's fair. Uh, I, I like the Grizzlies a lot. I just thought they caught an unfortunate. Uh, luck. It reminds me back when um actually uh when OKC was uh was actually playing. Russell got hurt. I think was it against the the Clippers or was it against the Grizzlies? He got hurt. I think he tore his ACL. That playoffs they could have actually gone. That was against the Rockets. That was against the Rockets. Rockets. The Pat Beverly uh, undercut. Yeah, man. I they OKC could have really made that run to the finals that year. So this is giving me flashbacks to that. Uh, I feel like the Grizzlies are still a top five team. I think I think next season they got the they got the potential. They got Jaron, Ja, Desmond. They got a nice bank of the Tyus Jones. I think the Grizzlies, if they do lose, we saw what they can do. I feel like they'll be right back up there next season. They'll probably bring some more additions. But I'm with you guys. I feel like the Warriors closed us out. The experience they had between Draymond, Clay, Steph. You got Jordan Poole is playing out of his mind. Jonathan Kaminga is stepping up and as a rookie. Otto Porter is giving them nice points. So is the Warriors are stacked, so you know. Uh, I want to swing it to you, uh, Chris. Just, just give me your thoughts. Do you think it's over for the Grizzlies, oh. or you think they can make a comeback? Yeah, it's, 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 it's over. Terry, oh, so just, just, just chop it up, huh? 
Jobless. I mean, I mean, what do you expect them to do? Yeah, they play well without John Moran, but what I what I've had to notice, and I keep doing this to myself, but what I notice is regular season is a lot different from the playoffs, and I keep bringing this up. When y'all play the Raptors, when the Sixers play the Raptors in the first round, based off of what the Raptors did to you guys in the regular season and beating you guys in the regular season series, I thought that that playoff series was going to be more competitive. It should have been a sweep. Y'all just gave up. Y'all just went up off the gas they did, which is why they won two games. So I'm looking at. So now I'm looking at this series without Ja. They had Ja for most of Game Three, but Ja got hurt, obviously. But now we look at Game Four, and you see that you see just how the playoffs are different in itself. Um, Dylan Brooks took a lot. I mean, he played horrible. Desmond Bain has not played one good game yet in the series, and Jaron Jackson has not been able to produce, I guess, that same volume of energy that he did in game one when he had when he had almost 40 points. So it's difficult when you're missing your best player and you have to go against the Warriors of all teams. And I think game four showed the inexperience that the Grizzlies have. Yes, they're a really good team, but they are inexperienced. They really, they've never been in this situation before. Nobody on the team has ever been in this situation before, even when it comes to college basketball, except maybe Dylan Brooks. But even when he was in Oregon, Dylan Brooks wasn't taking the big shots down the stretch. It was, I forget, I forget his teammate's name, but it wasn't Dylan Brooks. So it's just like, when I look at this series, the inexperience has already caught up with the Grizzlies. Yes, they're going to fight tonight. As of right now, they're winning. They were up by 10 last time I saw the score. So they're going to give it their all. And I know they're not going to give up. But even if they win tonight, you got to go back to Oracle Arena. You have to win a game there. Like, you have to. And playing in Golden State, winning in Golden State isn't easy. Like, not everybody can do that. And now you're having to try to do that without your best player, without the one that brings the energy every night, that's just going to be difficult to do. So because of that, I do think the Warriors are going to win tonight. I'm not going to be surprised if Grizzlies win, but this is over either way, though. All right. Man. I mean, Johnny, I'm going to swing to you, man. You you think it's time to write it up and just have, you know, talk to me. Grizzlies! It's like, no, this is over, yo. This is It's messed up because we ain't never going to see – we ain't going to see the full capability that the Grizzlies have. Like, like they had a hell of a season. And we ain't never going to see, like, how far they really could have gone. I do got I, – I, like I said, the same thing with the Bucks is the same thing with uh, – uh, the same thing I said with the Bucks is the same thing that registers with Georgia State, championship DNA. And they're just not <clears> – <throat> They're not there yet. As much as I, I have been a fan of Memphis, and as much as I have been a fan of more so Taylor Jenkins, y'all, like the Memphis Grizzly coach can like like you gotta agree with me that he got snubbed for coach of the year. Like what he did with this group of kids and to take them this far, like and then I think they had a they would not think they they definitely had a stretch where they were out. They were without John Morant, and they were like they went on a run regardless, and that just comes down to how they are. They they just ran into just a championship built type ball, Draymond Green handling Jaron Jackson, and like you said, he had that that forty point performance and never got back with it. Never got back with it. D- Dylan Brooks, he's been null and void. But that's what the Warriors do. That's just how they're built. They make adjustments. That's what champions do. I think. At the end of the day, it'll be too much for them. I, I, I would not be surprised if they do take this game though at home, just off of pride. But the fact of for them to push 
Warriors to seven is pretty impressive. But I will say shout out to Taylor Jenkins, man. He's he's been an assistant coach all his years and he finally got the, his first head coaching job and look what he did with it. So but I, I will say it is a shame because I, I wanted to see how far this team really could have pushed somebody like the Warriors. But I, I will say the Warriors will handle this. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, I feel like they have uh, they have the players. They got the star player. Uh, they got a bench. They have a coach. Uh, like you know, I'm gonna piggyback off that. So I feel like you know, the Grizzlies. Then they're, they're gonna be contending uh, to compete for the finals for you know at least a couple years. So hopefully they'll be able to execute at some point. But we move on to the last playoff matchup, and this also ties into the last topic too. So I want you guys to just really think about this. So. The Suns and Mavericks. The Suns. Now, this is a series that's really been back and forth. What I expected from the Grizzlies and Warriors is what we're getting with the Suns and Mavs. Blow for blow, haymaker for haymaker. Interesting. Probably the best series so far, in my in my, in my opinion. Uh, and also, I want to add this, guys, too. But first thing I want to ask, who do you guys have coming out of that matchup between the Suns and Mavericks? Mavericks are down. Do you guys see a possible comeback and moving on to the conference? Or you feel like the Suns execute uh, the, the next time they play? I'm going to swing it to you, Chris. You let me know. Um, I still got Phoenix. It, it's probably going to go seven. I don't really have much faith in them to win in Dallas, but that's the benefit that the home team gets when you play a game, when you play a game five. And I'm just going to just point back to like what I said about Boston or what I said about Milwaukee. Since Milwaukee won game five, they don't have to beat the Celtics two times in a row. Since the Suns won game five, they don't have to beat the Mavericks twice. So, and it's going to be difficult for them to go into Dallas and win that game because when you're home, the hoop is always there because you know the basket. I think, I and we saw that from guys like Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith had 24 points in game four, which I never saw coming. He had eight threes. He was eight for 12 from the three. 24 points. And another one, like we talked about, Danny Green. Danny Green hit nine threes in game, what was it, game three or four in Philly. When you're home, the basket is just always bigger. And then we have that home crowd behind you just rallying for you. It makes it difficult for the opponents to win. But that's what, ha- but that's the benefit of winning game five. So Phoenix is going to go over there. They're going to play hard. I feel like Luka is going to go crazy. I think he's going to go crazy in his last two games. He might have 30 in, in game six and 45. 40 or 50 in game seven, I believe. I'm not, I won't be surprised. But again, the, the problem with the Mavericks is yes, they have a lot of good three, a lot of really good three point shooters. I think they have five shooters from the three that have, that shoot better than 40% from three, which is marvelous. But they really have no interior presence for the Suns. And the Suns have three bigs that they can put in the game at any time and they dominate the paint. That's what the Mavericks are missing. And all, yes, I know Luka Doncic is that guy. He is going to be that guy for a long time. He does not have enough support with him. Jalen Brunson, yes, he's been, he's cool, but he's been inconsistent in this series. Spencer Dinwey, I'm still waiting for him to show up in this series like I wanted him to. I thought when they made that trade and got Ripperzengas and got Dinwiddie, I thought it was going to help him out because he was going to have another score just to help to help Nelson. I thought Dinwiddie was going to be able to chip in his little 18, 18 to 20 a game. But he's not doing that. I don't think he's. I don't even think he scored over twelve points this entire series yet. But he was. But last series against Utah, he had two twenty-point performances, which is what the Mavericks need right now. So I don't think the Mavericks have enough. And again, like Johnny said, champ. It's just the Suns. 
they didn't have they didn't win a championship, but just being that close last year, they have some sort of DNA. And right now they're on a vengeance tour. I think they really want to win this, not only for Chris Paul, but just in general, they really want to win this for everybody. And I think they're on a vengeance tour. So they might go into game six and lose in them and in Dallas, but come game seven, it's a wrap. I don't I feel like Dallas will not have enough on the road to win. Even outside Luca having a monster performance. So I'm I gotta go with Phoenix. Okay, okay, that's pretty fair. Uh, Kyrie, I'm, I'm swinging it to you. Just give me your thoughts on the series and who do you have coming out with that one? Um, so I have Phoenix winning the series, but I'm not going to lie to you. I got to go into seven games. I've doubted, I doubted Dallas going into this playoff series. I, I honestly didn't really see them doing much. I just didn't think Luka had enough help. But just seeing the way these guys stepped up, the Jalen Brunson, the Dorian Finney-Smiths, um, even Davis Bertans even woken up a little bit. They, uh, I feel like they just have the formula around Luka now, right now, to at least force this game six. And not to mention them being in their home crowd right after the incident, the incident on Mother's Day um, with the with the Dallas Mavericks fans and Chris Paul's uh, mom and wife and family. Um, I think they're definitely going to try to get into Dallas's head. We've seen it last game that this game is becoming. Uh, I mean, th- this series is becoming physical, and I, I definitely feel like this next game is just going to be a war. Luka Doncic is going to have to be the Luka Doncic we've seen throughout this series, especially when he gets into that mode where he's hunting guys he knows he can't guard, knows can't guard him. He's hunting for Chris Paul in the post. He's hunting for Cam Johnson. He's hunting for Jay Crowder. Even though Jay Crowder is a good defender, he knows he can't keep up with him in his complex moves. So Luka Doncic is definitely going to have to be super aggressive. But Jalen Brunson is going to have to be that perfect match of a point guard. He has been throughout this season for Luka Doncic, he's going to have to step up and have a really good game too and initiate the offense. Um, I feel like guys like Maxi Kleber is definitely going to step up. He plays really well at home. He's been playing super, super good in, uh, during the se- during the series. They're shooting the ball well. I think uh, Bertans is going to continue shooting the ball well. And they're going to, I feel like they're going to force this game seven. Um, but uh, I think Phoenix takes it just simply because they're going back to their own house. And I don't, I don't see Chris Paul and Devin Booker letting that team lose twice in a row to close out. I just don't see it happening. Devin Booker has been playing out of his mind himself, putting up about 20, uh, I think like 26, five and five, playing superb defense. Um, Devin Booker has never really been known as a defender, but he's been taking on defensive matchups well and really holding his own. Um, Chris Paul, th- these last couple of games, I don't know what's been up with him. Um, he's had the one game, he had seven turnovers. Had the other game where he he fouled out. A few of those fouls, I, I got to admit, they're, they're bad calls. But it, it just could, was come with the game, and it just seems like that's what happens. The, the entire playoffs have just been called. It's just been called, like, really tight. And there's been a lot of foul calls. There's been a lot of monitor review. They've just really been playing, uh, officiating this playoffs really tight. So that's just co- what comes with it. But um, I feel like if they do go to game seven, if they don't close it out in game six, which I, which I predict happening, I think just their overall cohesiveness, them being back in their own house, and Chris Paul being that leader and that vet that we know where I feel like he's at this point, hey, I'm not, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm I'm not letting us get in clo- I'm not letting us get closed out and I'm gonna play better than what I have been th- these past couple of games. So I think that's I think that's just how the, the series is gonna play out. Um it's, it's gonna be a war and I feel like it's gonna be fun to see. Definitely. Don't disagree with you at all. Lies. Give me your thoughts on, on this matchup. Pretty much agree with Kyrie. I feel like these 
well, this potentially last game, if not the last game, will be an all-out war. Um, but I do feel like this, this Phoenix really wants to compete with the Warriors. They need to close this game out now. They only they can't afford going to seven games and then rushing right back into the Warriors. So especially if the Warriors are going to close this game out now tonight. So I really think they need to be urgent on that. And I can't wait to see the Grizzlies next year. Can't wait to see the Grizzlies next year. Wow. Funny but truthful. Johnny, I'm going to swing it to you, man. Last but not least, give me your thoughts on this matchup before you lead on to the last topic. It ties into this one as well. Uh, this is um, another one of those situations where I feel like we will not see true, true, one team is lacking their true potential. I believe Dallas is down two, two stars. I believe at least one star for sure in Tim Hardaway Jr., but I would, I would, I'd be very curious to see how they play with them. But like you said, no interior defense. Um, Phoenix, I, I got Phoenix down for taking this. I will, uh, I think it's six. It wouldn't surprise me if it's seven just because of Luca. But speaking of which, I think he will at the same time be the reason they lose because it's getting to the point where I think Luca, I'm not going to say he doesn't like his team. I'm just, I, I don't think he trusts his guys. Like you said, Dinwiddie is just null and void. Dwight Powell's hit and miss. Brunson is very consistent. Shout out to Villanova, but he has been falling off. And he he does have his scoring droughts as well. Um, they just don't have enough. And I think Luka realizes that, and he kind of played like it um, last game. Uh, I believe um, Dallas Mavericks front page was actually criticizing him for not passing the ball, I believe. He went 36 minutes without completing an assist, which is very un-Luka Doncic-like. And I think he had, what, two assists in the first quarter. And I don't think he passed the ball or got a dime again as Phoenix pulled away that game. But So they're starting to criticize. criticize that was very weird, his play style. Um, he was very aggressive, but he usually gets the teammates involved. But there's no way they win the way he's playing, how he's playing, and he continues to play. And I do believe he continues to play that way because I believe he gets into hero ball mode. And while they may save you at home, like you said, the rim is bigger. Um, I think ultimately, you know, and the, the, the inevitable will <laughs> come to fruition in the Valley. And that, that's just a darn shame. But um, I don't think Luke is not – I don't think he's not playing like him on purpose. I think he's just trying to save them because, like, they just don't have anything, guys. Right. Okay. Uh, and that's fair in, in itself, too. I feel like uh, this was an interesting series, but I feel like uh, the Mavs, uh, they got to take it. They got to take it home. They got to go home. I feel like the Suns, Chris Paul has been – I want Chris Paul to win a championship, me personally. I feel like he was long overdue for a championship. I thought he had a shot the last time he went to the finals. Blew it. But I definitely feel like this might be his year. So this is the last topic. also ties into the series itself. The Mads and Suns series, we saw Booker and, and Luka Doncic get a little chippy uh, during the game. Do you guys consider this like the next great the next great rivalry in the NBA in terms of you got two I, superstars? I thought we was doing it between the Grizzlies and the, and the, uh, and the Warriors. Oh, the Grizzlies and Warriors? Oh, I mean, is that really you guys think in terms of what do you think is had the potential to be a, a new rivalry in terms of the Grizzlies and Warriors or the Suns and Mavericks. I think the Suns and Mavericks has more potential, in my opinion. I'm just waiting for you, Kyrie. 
Oh, did not let you talk, John. Swing the yeah, guy. no, you go, you go. Yeah, you go ahead, John. All right, go ahead, John. Oh, shoot. I, I, no, I was just making a joke. I was just mumbling. I'm like, let's the man's get a big man. No, it's not. But <laughs> other than that, like, yeah, um, it's just going to be Aiden just keep taking just keeps taking their lunch <laughs> in the paint at the end of the day. And, but, like, yeah, as far as as far as far rivalry between Dev and and Luca, yeah, look out for the next 10 years as compared to – but that that's that's actually interesting in, in its own right. I, I don't know which rival, rivalry would be better, but – as far as Dev and Luca, that would be that be fun. What did Luca say? I think he tweeted. No, he said something to the camera going into the tunnel. Everybody acting tough when they up. Uh, yeah, yes, that's what he I said. Like <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, as far as the Mavs Suns robbery period, it I don't know, man. It, it might something something might have started, dog. Didn't Marquise Chris chase Bismack Biombo in the tunnel <laughs> at the end of the game and whatever, saying to separate them in the back at the end of the game and. I, I don't know, man. I think uh, if you ask me, I blame Jason Kidd. Wherever he's at, it just gets shysty, bro. Whatever team he's on and, <laughs> as head coach, that it'd be some stuff. Like I don't know, would he be like telling them players in the locker room? But Jason Kidd is a low key. He he low key could start a gang if he wanted to. <laughs> right, uh, Lodge. I want to swing it to you then. I mean, just what do you think between? Uh, between those Western Conference matchups, what do you think has potential to be a, a long, a new potential rivalry in the NBA between the Warriors and Grizzlies and the Mavs and Suns? Uh, I got the Warriors and Grizzlies. Really? Right. Yeah, just simply because, of, especially the Pat last year when Ja bumped them out of the plan. Um, I feel like that that history will just keep dragging on and on as, as long as uh, Steph and Clay are on the Warriors and are still playing. All right, that's fair. Uh, Chris, just give me your thoughts on that. Um, I guess I'll say I think I I see more so the Luca versus Book versus Devin Booker being the rivalry. Um, I think I don't think either one's a rivalry yet, but I do think that the seeds are planted in the Dallas and in this Dallas and Sun series just from like I said the Marquise Chris incident with Devin Biombo, Luca, and um Devin Booker talking back and forth, like Devin Booker when he fell to the ground and stayed down there for a while. He said that's that Luca flop. I mean, I I feel like the season are planted, but I think I need I need to see a little a few more matchups between these teams to to really say it's a rivalry. But I will that's say good. I do believe that the seeds are planted for a rivalry to brew between both the Mavericks and the Suns. But in my opinion, I think it's just really gonna be between Booker and Luca Doncic because they're gonna run the Western Conference, I feel like, for the next decade, and John Moran's gonna, and then and John Moran's gonna be like be there from time to time. But I feel like it's just really gonna be Booker versus Luca. Right, John Moran could be the best. Uh, he, 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 I, I believe John Moran's a top five point guard. Uh, he could be the best point guard soon in the NBA, given a few more years. Uh, Kyrie, last but not least, just what do you think has the potential to be more of a rivalry? I mean, everybody made great points for both sides, but I'm going to have to go ahead with the Warriors and uh, Grizzlies. I feel like that is low-key a rivalry it, uh, at this moment because it, I just feel like there's a lot of tension. Starting off from game one with that – either game one or game two with that Draymond foul um, on Brandon Clark. Then it was the Dylan Brooks foul, and then I, it, it was one more incident. I can't remember off the top of my head, but this entire series has just been really, really chippy, and I feel like – it, it it plays out like this, or it looks like this. Memphis is like the little, like the little bros, the little brothers of the Western Conference in comparison to the to the uh, Golden State Warriors. Those are the big bros. That team has, has a lot more 
experience and, and has championship pedigree. That team has some history behind it. And the Memphis Grizzlies are looking to be one of those teams, and they don't want to be in that shadow. They don't. They don't want to be little bro. And they play. They play like it. They they go out there every night and they they give that energy. Like they don't. They don't. They're not the ones to be underestimated. They're not the ones to be slept on. So I think just because of that and their no back down mentality, and of course Draymond leading the Warriors as just him being the, t- the type of personality he is, where he's going to let you know every night, like. I, we're the best team in the league and we're, we're the most dominant, like we're just the most dominant and there's nothing you can, like, you can do about it. So I think just because of that, those kind of two personalities that those teams carry, I think that has more of a t- potential of being a rivalry over uh, Dallas and Phoenix. I'm not sleeping on Dallas and Phoenix either. That Booker versus uh, Luka sometime down the line, like, uh, all these years down the line, that's going to be something we like really look deep into. It's going to, I feel like that's going to go down in history as well, but for right now, I'll give it to the Grizzlies and uh, Warriors. All right. And that concludes episode 61 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I want to give a big shout out to my fellow co-hosts and my special guest, Johnny. Can't wait to see you on the next episode we do. Uh, thanks a yeah. lot. Hey, y'all, bro. Much love. Hey, shoot, you right. Grizzlies and Warriors play each other four times a year, so we might see them more. <laughs> Good point, y'all. All right. So, like I said, thanks a lot for everyone tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, this episode, as much as we all enjoyed recording this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Restricted Zone Pod. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. The link will be inside the description. We are also available on all platforms from Apple to Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Whether you're Android, iPhone, doesn't matter. You can tune in, stream, and it is free. So thanks a lot for tuning in. We enjoy it. And uh, just stay up for the next episode.